You are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach. And although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today, I've got a question for you. Do you really believe that you can supercharge your revenue? Now, that's the question, because most of us will say, yeah, I do. But do you? On today's episode, we are going to explore with Jason Pearl how you can truly supercharge your revenue growth. Now, Jason Pearl is the founder and CEO of NACRA Consulting. Hopefully I said that correctly. And <laughs> Naker Consulting, yes, but that's okay. Thank you. And one of the nation's top growth leaders specializing in scaling small to medium-sized businesses from startup to acquisition. He uses a heart-centered approach to life, leadership, and business. He has helped some of the fastest-growing companies in the industry, generating more than 100 million, yes, that's million with an M, in revenue over the past 36 months. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. So I'm going to, I'm just going to ask you the really obvious question. Can you supercharge your revenue growth? Well, the answer to that is yes, and it depends, right? So I think that, you know, there, I always kind of say there's not necessarily a magic a magic wand or a silver bullet that that we use, but really, ultimately, the platform at which we work at Naker Consulting and how we have, you know, grown businesses and generated over a hundred million dollars in new revenue growth in the last thirty six months is by working and unlocking the people within your business to be able to generate more than they have done historically. There's all sorts of different ways that we can do it, but really, the key to our success is focusing on the individuals within your business and finding the unique ways that they personally need to be unlocked to generate more revenue. So the answer is yes, we can do that. We just need some time to work with uh, work with the employees within the business and then we can get some growth out of it. I like it. I like it. So Jason, let's let's dive deeper into this because you know, I've got a lot of audience that are like you know, very small entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, you know, pro professionals, consultants, speakers, those types of people. So, you know, when we look at those very, very small businesses, you know, how, when you don't have a lot of employees, how do you, you know, how can you supercharge when, you know, you don't have those people to begin with? Yeah, it's a wonderful question. And and actually those are that becomes a bit easier for growth, to be quite honest with you, because there's less people and there's less barriers to growth that you have to deal with. When you're a solopreneur or a really, really small business, oftentimes the barrier to growth is you, right? It's things that you're doing incorrectly or improperly or unorganized or unfocused on really truly what 
the growth plans of your business are. So speaking directly to your audience, you can you can help yourself and unlock new growth potentials by just focusing on a, a few certain things. And I think one of the first questions that I asked, especially those solopreneurs or small business owners, is that, why did you start your business and what do you want out of it? And you'd be surprised how many people say, well, I need to make money. It's like, okay, well, you know, what, what are you passionate about? What problems are you solving for your customers? And what do you want truly out of your business? Do you want it to be a lifestyle? Are you looking to sell it in a few years? Are you looking to do this forever? Are you looking to grow it and bring on more employees? Do you want to keep it just the way it is? The answer to those questions oftentimes aren't even answered by a solopreneur. So whether it's a solopreneur or a company that has 150 employees, I ask some similar questions based upon those answers and digging farther, deeper into that, we'll be able to start to kind of custom make a growth plan for their business so they can ultimately see that success that they're looking for. Hmm. You know what? One of the things that, that you said there and, you know, understanding your why, understanding where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's crucial, especially, you know, as consultant, professional speaker and all that, most times we just start and we don't know, we don't have a goal. We don't know where we're going. Because, you know, one of the things you talked about was, you know, do you keep this business forever or are you creating a business to sell? Because that's two different things. Very much so. When you're creating a business to sell, you've ultimately got to create a business that runs without you. That's right. That's right. You know, I'll never forget, Kim, one of, one of the first few months that I started my business back seven years ago, uh, I had somebody ask me within the first three months, like, well, how are you going to scale your business so you can sell it? And I sat back in my chair and I said, well, what makes you think I want to sell it? You know, and answer to that is like, everyone chooses their own success. That's a platform that I stand on is you, everybody chooses their own success every single day. So oftentimes the reason that solopreneurs or speakers or consultants they don't know the answer to that question is because they started their business or they're trying to grow their business because that's what they think they're supposed to do because that's what the rest of the world they think is doing when they see it on social media or they see it and they haven't sat down and say, what do I want out of my life? What is this business going to do for me? And how is this going to help make me successful? Not just professionally, but personally. And oftentimes it starts, you have to kind of back up and say, personally, what do you want? What do you enjoy? What are your goals long-term? And then you build a business around it. Again, whether it's one person, whether it's a hundred, whether it's a thousand, you need to understand what those kind of real milestones are. So you can start focusing on how you choose your success, how you chase after it every day. I love it. Love it. You know, one of the things I've thought about is the fact that I want to create RTI publishing so that it could be sold. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I've thought through that is, is that, you know, well, my daughter specifically is not an entrepreneur. She does not want to be an entrepreneur. She does not have an entrepreneurial heart. And I think my son might, but I don't know if he could run a business. Okay. So, you know, ultimately with me and at the age that I'm at and that, and as I'm growing this business, I'm actually thinking about creating a business to sell because Mm -hmm. one day when I go, the family's not going to be able to run the business. Right, right. And so, you know, for them to maximize what I've done in this, it's got to be able to run by itself. Now, it's not there yet. Sure. <laughs> and I've got a ways to go, but I am working towards that goal of, you know, having a self-sustaining business. And, you know, for me, I love 
I don't mind hard work. I don't mind sales. I don't mm -hmm. mind doing things in my business. But to be honest, I'm more of the visionary than the doer. So you need processes and you need other people. So your business can grow. So there's enterprise value in the business with or without you, right? Because a sale, right? A liquidation event or an asset transfer, there can be a number of different things that come out of it, right? You could sell your business and then also get an employee contract and work within that business for a period of time. Or you could sell it and walk away and say, I'm done. There's a whole bunch of different things. It's not just selling the business, right? So we all know is that if you're going to sell your business and that's something that you want to do, you have to ensure that you can prove to the potential suitors of that business that with or with that with or without you, especially without you, the business will still generate revenue and it'll still succeed. Mm -hmm. And those are the reasons why you need to understand what the end game is. And that doesn't mean that the end game can't switch, doesn't mean it can't change. But what it means is that as you're focusing on a certain direction, you want to know where you're starting and not so much where yeah. you're ending, what you're going to do along the path to create that value, right? So everyone says like, oh, I, you know, like for example, Naker Consulting, it's my consulting firm. For me right now, I am building it to create value for my clients. I specifically started Naker Consulting because I wanted to work with multiple businesses and grow them, not just one. And I have a team of four other consultants that I work with and we are building a value that we could potentially sell. But quite honestly, the three pillars in my life are faith, family, and freedom. And I run this business because it helps me show up in those three pillars of my life. And I'm helping the businesses as well. But I did this selfishly because I wanted to live a certain life, right? And I create the right value for my clients. They'll continue to pay me money. And if I do the right things, I'll create enterprise value. But selling today is not necessarily something I'm focused on for the next five to 10 years. So I'm going to continue to create that value for myself, for the consultants that work within the business, and especially my clients, our clients. Well, to be honest, I love what you're saying there, Jason. I don't have any plans of going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> Right. So, you know, when I think of selling the business later on, like, you know, we're talking 15, 20 sure. years down the road. Right. But if I don't, if I don't start that process now, it's gonna be tough. It, first of all, you hit a point where it's very hard to do because mm -hmm. there's just too many moving pieces. Right. But, you know, secondly, I may hit a stage where I can't. So for me, that's why I'm I'm planning that now, not that I want to sell RTI publishing. I don't, it's, it's my love. It's my, sure. it's my joy. It's my passion, but you know, there's, I'm in my fifties. So you, you start hitting a certain age where you're kind of like, okay, so I'm doing this, I'm loving it, but mm -hmm. you know, hmm, 10, 15 yeah, sure. years down the road might be a different story. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think it's different for everyone, which is why I say choose your own success. But, uh, you know, we all have stories and situations that mm. give us, you know, a kind of sense of our own mortality, right? And one of the things that I don't want people to say first and foremost is that Jason was a great revenue consultant. He helped grow a lot of businesses, right? Professionally, I want to show up and do the best that I possibly can, but I don't want people at my funeral saying that he was an amazing consultant. And then I've got my wife and my two daughters and my extended family and my siblings saying, we never saw him because all he did was work, right? So for me, yep. success is faith, family, freedom, coupled with succeeding professionally so I can lock 
both of those sides for my mm -hmm. clients and for myself and for the consultants that work with Anacre Consulting. So it's 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 an interesting situation, but it's why you have to have a really good self-reflection and have tough conversations with yourself. Um, and that's where it starts. That's where growth starts. One of the reasons, like I started RTI Publishing about eight years ago, but I'd been an entrepreneur for over 20 years at that point. And one of the reasons why I became an entrepreneur was, you know, first of all, I realized later on I had heart for it. But when I first started, it was more about the fact that my husband put in crazy hours to keep food on the table and a roof over the head and clothes on the back. Mm -hmm. And both my husband and I, you know, we, well, my mom died when I was four. So I had a lot of babysitters and living babysitters and some really not so good living babysitters. And, mm -hmm. you know, my husband spent a lot of time being babysat. So mm -hmm. we had decided when the kids were little that, you know, the best thing for them, the best thing for our family was to have one parent at home all the time. And in this case, my husband could make more money than I could. So mm -hmm. But I became an entrepreneur because I didn't not only just bring in more money, but for me, it allowed me to set my own hours so that I could, you know, make money around being a mom and, you know, being someone mm -hmm. like you of faith, you know, working at the church and, you know, yeah. different things. Right. So I that's one of the things I love about entrepreneurship. But I think, like you said, it's easy to get trapped in the you know, it almost becomes worse than a job because sure. you can put in so many hours, right? And, you know, we're talking about supercharging your revenue growth. And one thing thought that occurred to me was the fact that, you know, if you're going to supercharge your revenue growth, you can't do everything in your business. That's right. You have to delegate, right? You have to delegate. You have to build processes. You have to build systems. And, and where a lot of small and medium-sized businesses fail is that they bottleneck with a few really highly capable employees within their business. And when you're highly capable and you're highly sought after within your business, you develop a bit of an ego about it, right? So you want to touch everything because you start to say, hey, I want to touch that. So when it goes well, you're like, oh yeah, those are my brushstrokes, right? And that's where growth and leadership start to intersect, right? Because one of my mm -hmm. core philosophies when it comes to growth is proper leadership. And we'll talk probably in a little bit about my leadership course that, that, that I put together. But one of the things that I think is so critical is delegating and then passing the praise, right? Because if you want to build a company that goes fast, make sure it has a foundation built to hold a lot of weight because revenue is weight, yeah. right? Most businesses yeah. out there now, they care about making themselves look bigger and better than they are. And they don't focus on building the foundation to handle the revenue weight that they pray for every night, right? Because they're saying, oh, let me spend more time on Canva making my LinkedIn post look better or YouTube and I'll go rent an office space and make it look real sexy. Fact of the matter is if you don't have it built from the ground floor up to handle the weight of mm -hmm. revenue, you will fail and you will tumble and it will be very difficult to rebuild that. So when you lead properly, you understand that you need the right people. And when you have the right people, you also, as a leader, need to pass the praise. So when you're succeeding, you thank them, pass the praise, because the more they feel that they are valued and wanted and successful, yes. they're going to work that much harder for you. It's not rocket science. It's a very 
basic principle, but I will tell you in my 23 years of being a professional, so many businesses miss that because everyone's fighting to get in the front of the line to say it was me, as opposed to saying, hey, here's the pie. Does everyone like pie? You get a slice of pie. I get a slice of pie, right? Like like Oprah, everyone's getting a slice of pie, right? That's what needs to happen. But too, too often we want all the spotlight. We want all the praise. And that, that stunts your business. You just unpacked something there that, first of all, I don't think anyone's ever said on the show, so kudos, <laughs> but it's the art of appreciation. Absolutely. You know, I always think of that word servant leadership mm-hmm. where, you know, you, you put the needs of the other people first. And sometimes as, as a leader, I think you're correct. You have to put aside your own desire for praise. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be emotionally strong on the inside yep. because if if you're doing this so that people praise you, oh man, that's a rough road in entrepreneurship. But if you're doing it to serve not only your clients but your employees and as you lift them up, guess what? You get lifted up. That's right. We're going to take a quick pause here for a second and You know, audience, RTI Publishing has lots of resources. And one of the ones I want to talk to you about today is our create and scale method. So if you're thinking about writing a book and you want to know how to write, produce, and publish one that not only converts readers into clients, but is going to help you scale your business, listen to this quick 15 to 17 second ad. Writing and publishing a book that converts readers into client and scales your business is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Get my free checklist at bit.ly forward slash create and scale that will show you what you need to do to have your book become a well-converting lead generating tool. Welcome back, Jason. We've just been having like this really wonderful conversation. I've loved where we ended off on, on leadership. I do want to give you a chance, though, just to share a little bit of your story. We got a couple more segments we're going to do, but just tell us a little bit about, you know, how you came to be this amazing consultant who just loves helping others. Yeah. So the story goes way back, right? So I am a product of two self-employed parents. Okay. So my mom and dad have been self-employed since the early 70s, and they were entrepreneurs before it was cool to say you were an entrepreneur. Okay. So they were grinding in the entrepreneurial world before like it became the cool thing to put on Instagram and all over the place. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. So I grew up in a household where my parents worked together in multiple different businesses. They were mainly service-based businesses. None of them ever had extremely large exits of millions of dollars. It wasn't, you know, what you see on, you know, on TV or whatever. It was just they worked very hard, served their clients very well, and it put food on the table for us. And we saw the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. So I was, I'm one of, of three children. I have an older brother and a younger sister. My older brother is also self-employed. Shout out to CJ Pearl and Pearl Legal on the West Coast of the United States. But And then my younger sister, she's an executive as well. But what we learned was the lesson of doing what you say you're going to do, do it the right way, you know, and and make sure that you hold up your commitments. And I've not always done that well, right? As a as a young, as 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 a young professional, you you learn and you fail. But I grew up in this entrepreneurial kind of lifestyle, and both of my parents, who are now in their seventies, still own their own businesses. So my parents unfortunately divorced when I was in college, and I was going to get a degree to get into the family business. 
they got divorced and sold their businesses and went their separate ways. I was left to figure out what I wanted to do because family business was no longer an option. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, 19 years old, I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? I thought my life was over. Right. And obviously devastating for divorce, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is I went corporate. So I got hired out of college in a management trainee program with Wells Fargo. They were a wonderful organization to learn with. Climbed up the corporate ladder there for 10 years. And I became what was considered a fixer in their world. So I was in the consumer finance world. And very early on, I got promoted within nine months on the job, had my first office and branch, 18 months on the job. I was 23 years old. And I started leading people. And I started understanding how to change businesses from being a struggling business to then bring them to success. And I kind of got a knack for doing that, became a fixer, right? So every two, 18 months to two years, the company would move me to a different branch or a different area of the country to fix. And I did that. And I did that for a while. And I really learned how to lead. When you're 23 years old, leading people that are twice your age, you learn a lot. You know, I had an ego. I thought it was great. Fell on my face, said things I shouldn't have said, was stupid, right? All those things. But I started to learn. And now 23 years later, and seven years ago, after I got out of corporate America, I said, I want to I wanna help businesses do this. I want to help them do it often. And I don't just want to work with one business. So I started Naker Consulting, which by the way, Naker is the organic compound that makes up a pearl. So instead of calling it Jason Pearl Consulting, I tried to do a little, little marketing there and name it that had some translation back to, to my family name. But um, did that and started working with small and medium-sized businesses, you know, from 1 million all the way up to 60, 70, 80 million dollars, but really focusing on helping them grow their business so they could have sustainable businesses. So my background of being an entrepreneur's kid turned me into an entrepreneur. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, it's it's very rare to hear stories like yours where someone actually had entrepreneurial parents. Most of my guests on the show did not have entrepreneurial parents. And, you know, in many ways, there was a lot of uh, mental struggles because, you know, you know, there's things that you've been taught that, you know, you don't do in life. Becoming an entrepreneur is usually one of them, right? Because you don't, you can't make money. Like, don't start your own right. business because, right. you know, you're going to work all these hours and never make any money. And there is some truth to that. But, sure. you know, there's the mental blocks that, yeah. you know, you have to overcome. And you didn't have that because you had parents that went, ha, huh, yeah. yeah, we're entrepreneurs. Well, it, Go it's, for it. it's, it's risk adversity, right? That That's really yes. what it is. And at a very young age, I was conditioned to understand what risk was because really, Quite honestly, if the business didn't do well, we went without, right? And there was always, I had a very nice upbringing, right? My parents were pretty successful at what they did, but I do remember times where it got, it got difficult. And, you know, I saw my parents just roll up their sleeves and invest more and dig deep, right? So seven years ago, when I started Naker Consulting, I was married, still am, wonderful wife, almost of 20 years. And uh, I had two young kids. My wife at the was a stay-at-home mom for a very long time. And at the time when I started my business, was a part-time employee of a church. Okay. So financially, there wasn't a lot coming from, from that area, mm -hmm. right? Spiritually, yes, but financially, no. So I took an enormous risk. I mean, I had people say, Jason, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? I just said, you know, number one, I feel like this is what God's calling me to do. So I'm going to listen. But number two, I know that if he's calling me to do this and I have the skill set to help other businesses that 
I just have to do it. I have to dive right in. So I've done that. And not knowing where your paycheck's going to come for seven years, not knowing about, you know, not getting 401k matches, not getting health benefits, like all those things. Risk aversion to me was, it was worth the risk, live the lifestyle that I wanted and to say that yes. I did it. So that's where a lot of people that are listening out there that are saying like, I'm thinking about doing, I'm not thinking about doing it. You have to understand a lot of different things. And on my website, I have I have some free guides that you can figure that out with. But the fact of the matter is you have to understand your risk tolerance because people that come in and they think, oh, I see it online, people being entrepreneurs and everything's going to be great. It's not. There's a lot of ups and downs. You got to be ready for it. You got to be ready for it. One of the podcast episodes I did a while back, was, I think it was with Claudine Pereira. We were talking about entrepreneurship and she still remembers this to this day. I talked about entrepreneurship like a bowl of spaghetti. Because most times you're going in, out, around, through, over, under. You have no clue. You have no clue which direction you're going to. And you may have started at one end, but you have no clue where the other end is in that bowl. <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's part of the life of an entrepreneur, right? Sometimes you don't know what's coming. You don't know where you're going some days. Right. And it's trusting that, you know, at the end of the process, you're going to get to where you need to be. Jason, we're going to switch gears here sure. uh, because I've got a question that I want to ask you. You're not an author, but been coming up with a question I've been asking the non-authors now. Okay. So if you were to write a book for your business, mm -hmm. what would you write about? Well, I have a methodology within my business, and it's really a methodology that I use holistically within my whole life. And it's called head, heart, and house. Okay. So the way to unlock growth within yourself and within others, you have to first of all individually understand what's in your head, what's happening in your heart, what's going on in your household. Because all three of those factors play into how you show up every single day. And if you understand those things about yourself, then you can start working with others and learning how to lead them properly with what's happening in their head and what's in there, what's going on in their heart, what's happening in their household. And when you do that and you put that all together, you unlock growth internally first, and then you help others externally grow. And that's the book that I will write at some point in time, you know, when, when I have the time to do it or whatever. But the fact of the matter is it is 100% going to be that because if there's anything you get out of this, out of this podcast today, it's that is like, you have to understand yourself in all the facets of your life that inform who you are and who you show up to be every day to then be able to show up properly for others. And then to unlock those those things for them because everyone says leadership or understand you why they paint with a very broad brush. We as human beings, we're all uniquely created and made, right? Yes. Therefore, you need to understand who you're dealing with as an individual. That individual is part of a team, but you need to understand that individual so you can lead them properly and motivate them in the ways that work for them, not just the broad brush. And people say, well, Jason, I've got 40 people on my team. Well, I'd say it's time to roll up your sleeves and get to work then, you know, to figure that out because you will thank me later when you unlock that growth out of them. You know, the funny thing is, is it's actually not as hard as you think it would be because it's not always about the big things. Sometimes it's just about the very small things. And when you understand how that person works, like everyone, and I know it's going to sound really weird, but everyone gives and receives love. There's five very specific ways that people give and receive love. Now, as an employer, I'm not talking about, you know, being romantic in love. love. Romantic love, yes. You're yeah. Loving the human. But, yep. you know, when you want to reach people 
in a deep, deep way that changes their life. If you understand how they give, receive love, how they need appreciation, how, how they work, then, you know, it's just a matter of speaking to it, you know, because if you look at the five love languages and if you've never heard, that's a book by um, Chapman. I can't remember the gentleman's first name. Anyway, it's a really fascinating book, but there's five love languages and hopefully I remember all five because I usually remember four. So there's physical touch, there's words of affirmation, there's gifts, there's quality time and acts of service. Woo! I got them there you all. Go. Nice work. So when you're, you know, when you have employees, if you can figure out meaningful ways, like some people, you can say they did a great job and it means nothing to them. Correct. But if you bought them a five hundred, a five dollar, and if you're Canada, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you bought them a five dollar Timmy card, and Jason, you've been in Canada, you know what Timmy's means. Yeah. You know, that might mean more to them than just the words and vice versa. Somebody, the words might mean everything and the $5 Timmy card means nothing. Yeah. Well, it, now, it, it obviously was- physical touch in an employment situation would be interesting. And, or inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> or inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But. You know, I think I think you've hit on something there is that is that art of appreciation. And when you do that, I think you'd be amazed at how it does supercharge your revenue growth, because now people really do want to work for you. They feel appreciated. They they feel fulfilled. Yeah. So and if I could take it, one, if I could take it one step further, what I would say is sure. so there's the head, heart and house. And there's the what you're talking about, the appreciation of the whole person. There's two other things that are really important with that. The house portion of that is where you will find the most erratic behavior because of the house, okay? Mm -hmm. Because everyone has life outside of work, right? So if your life is in disarray, let's say someone's going through a divorce, or let's say someone has an ill child, or, you know, there, you know, there's certain things that are going on, they're, they're going to be more erratic and their decision-making will be altered more. more from the house than either the head or the heart, because the house is what can make you erratic if it's not in order, right? We certainly know that given the world we live in, there's a number of people that don't have their houses in order and, you know, and that will affect how they show up. So that's one of the things I want to say. The second thing I would say is when it comes to unlocking the revenue growth and appreciating the people like we're talking about is accountability. Okay. Accountability is critical. It's not that I have a ping pong table in my office and people like coming here and we have happy hours at five o'clock on Thursdays. And, you know, we have bagel Tuesdays or whatever it is. All of those things are nice to have. You want to see a company that succeeds. You will have a leadership group that holds themselves first and then everyone else accountable to what the common documented goals of that business are. If you want to see a terrible culture, you could have ping pong tables and happy hours and all that type of stuff. If you're not holding your people accountable to what is been said is the goals that everyone's been a part of, that culture will fall apart because accountability isn't there. Well, I could say an amen to that one. And mm-hmm. as you're speaking, there were several companies going through my brain where I have seen that happen. So, wow. Well, we are just about out of time, Jason. So you mentioned your leadership course. So mm-hmm. I want you to do three things for me. Sure. So first of all, you can share a little bit about your leadership course. What's it mm-hmm. about? How people can access it? Just a final thought. And then if people aren't interested in your leadership course, but they just want to connect with you and learn more about you, how can they do that? 
Absolutely. Well, thank you. Well, first of all, so it's a five-day leadership course of how to become a more inspiring leader in five in five days. It's you get an email every day for five days. It's a video for it's five minutes or less. Okay. So the time commitment for the five days is is 25 minutes. Okay. And there's five different topics within that course. Each course or each topic comes with a subsequent template that is going to help you put into action what the what that day was was focused on. Okay. The course is 100 percent free. There's no strings attached. There's nothing like that. It's a free course that you can download. You can find it at my website, nakerconsulting.com backslash leadership leadership. Naker is spelled N-A-C-R-E consulting.com backslash leadership. So that's what you do. If you want to find me, I post on LinkedIn every single day, Monday through Friday. It's linkedin.com backslash Jason M as in Matthew Pearl. So you can find me there and engage with me. I have a lot of different opportunities to engage, have an audience that I love to engage with. We work with small and medium-sized businesses and try to help them grow. So if you happen to be one of those folks and you're like, hey, interested to learn more about you, but I'm not really sure I want to hire you, go to our website. We have free guides. There's all sorts of things that we have for free content that you can understand. If you think, hey, I'm interested in this guy in this company, but I want to learn more, check out the website, look at some of the free stuff, and then we can kind of talk about what it looks like to have a relationship. Thank you so much, Jason. This has been a wonderful interview today. Now, audience, if you've enjoyed today's episode, I'm going to recommend that you go back to episode 433 with Jason Barnard. Now, it's not on the same topic, but he talks about mistakes that will mess up with your Google success. And if you want to supercharge your revenue growth, having Google on your side is a good thing. And in that episode, he's going to talk about some of the common mistakes that people make with their Google. And most of them are relatively easy to fix. It just takes a little time and a little thought. So if you're watching this on YouTube, never sure where my daughter's going to put it, but you will see the thumbnail here on the screen. You can just click on it. If you're on your favorite podcast app, Well, you're going to want to scan back a little bit, probably close to 30 episodes to episode 433 with Jason Barnard, Mistakes That Will Mess With Your Google Success. Audience, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.